folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your own show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get this all for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today to apply Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here joining me, a former NFL journeyman quarterback, Bruce Gradkowski, who also now works for Pro Football Focus and grinds the tape and grades the tape like nobody else. What's up, Bruce? Matthew, what's up, my man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I want you to talk about that a little bit of going through all the tape of all the quarterbacks and grading it how you do. Because, you know, it used to be a thing of maybe five, seven years ago where you'd hear players say, how do these how do these guys grading my stuff know anything, right? Like, who who's doing this? Some guy in his basement? Well, you might be in your basement. I'm not sure. You got a sick setup there. But, um, but it's you, Bruce, and you, you know what you're talking about as far as NFL quarterbacks. But I wonder what you've learned uh having done this now for a little while going through so much tape and then you know really keeping track of all the things you see I feel like there would be extra things that you would learn about the quarterback position just from doing that yeah no for sure I mean number one it's it's a collaborative effort I mean us at PFF there's so many guys grading these games but there's so many levels of it right and usually I'm the last level of overseeing the quarterback grade specifically um, trying to just make sure we get that right. Because there's a lot go, that goes on 
not only from a quarterback's mind, but throughout the game from a receiver's perspective, offensive line protection. So making sure, too, that we're not just downgrading quarterbacks because of something that happened on a protection, the running back missed, you know, the protection bus that he should have picked up or a receiver route. And same thing with, um, you know, not letting the quarterback off the hook. You know, if the receiver was there and it was a bad ball and he should have hit it, you know, things of that sort. So uh, usually my my weekly schedule, and it, it's big time on Sunday, right? Like Sunday about 7 o'clock at night, I start getting the game tape that rolls in. And I go from 7 o'clock at night to about 3 in the morning trying to get as many uh, throws graded as I can. And then I'll wake up in the morning and try to get the rest done by noon. Uh, because our deadline, we want to try to get our grades out as soon as we can mm-hmm. to the public and for the fans, and, and you know they love it, and it's really cool. So we, I try to get through all the games, and a lot of times after I'm done, I'm like, what did I even just see? You know, if someone, <laughs> right, right, it's a blur. If, if someone's like, how did Aaron Rodgers play? It's like, hmm, how did he play? And then all of a sudden they'll, they'll name a throw or something that happened, and then I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. He had this throw, he had that, he made this mistake, he could have done this better. Man, what about the big throw before halftime? So it's cool to get to see a lot, and, and then it's awesome to see all the, the different offenses and schemes and um, and things of that sort. So it's really cool. And, and just our QB annual, too, it's just a collaborative effort of everyone putting this together. And they do really – PFF does a phenomenal job because – there's so much information, so much data we collect that helps us navigate how well these quarterbacks are playing in different situations, you know, under pressure, in a clean pocket, you know, 10 to 19 yards, under, you know, in play action pass, in the shock, you know, there's all kinds of, there's almost too much data, Matthew, to be honest, you could get overwhelmed. Well, what I like about it, though, is to be able to go through it really with a microscope this season and try to figure out, okay, what was on the quarterback and what might have been impacted by his circumstances. So I'll give you an example with Kirk Cousins. Who, by the way, the last time you were on, I said, give me a percentage chance Cousins is top 10. And you said 100%, and I think he's 10th. So, like, you just got in under the wire there with this PFF grade. Just made it. Just made it. But, uh, like, I'll give you an example, though. Uh, Teams blitzed Kirk Cousins 11% more this year than they did last year, and his numbers were not as good as they have traditionally been against the blitz. He's really good, I think, at reading where the blitz is coming from, knowing where his hots are, all sorts of things like that. But – Teams were blitzing up the middle and having a lot of success and getting a lot of pressure on him. And I think that's one of those things that you say, looking at his past history, it was probably more circumstance than it was anything changed about Kirk Cousins. And I think that's kind of a good example of how we can use a lot of this data. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for Kirk Kirk Cousins, I mean, if you give him a clean pocket, if there's no pressure around him, like he's going to tear you apart. He's an accurate passer. He could throw the football very well. He's a rhythm type passer. So defenses are probably like, look, let's get pressure up the middle so he can't step in the throw, so he can't be in rhythm because we know what he can do at that time. And also, too, you got to figure they look at the offensive line and, and you know, how they're playing and, how, you know, where where is – what makes the most sense for us to put pressure on Cousins or make him uncomfortable in that sense. Cousins is uh, uh, one of the top-line passers, you know, throwing the football. He's going to be accurate with the ball. Um, it was good seeing some nice things he has done this year, 
but also there's other pieces around him they have to build for this team uh, going forward. And look, I'm a huge Mike Zimmer fan. You know, him and I were together in Cincinnati. So I want more than anything to get see this Vikings team get back to winning ways uh, like I know they can be. Can we talk about how um, pressure is sort of a collaborative effort because there's, and, and I, and I'm not against this, trust me, but there's like a lot of people who say, come on, draft a guard. And you, you watch the games. I mean, you saw where the pressure was coming from. It was coming from up the middle all the time. And I get that. But I also think that there's a little bit of a lesson from the Super Bowl when we watch that it's not just the offensive linemen, but it's also, does your quarterback have answers in those situations? And can your quarterback make something where there's nothing? And we know that this is not a Kirk Cousins thing. Like he's not Mahomes. He's not going to be able to roll all over the place make crazy off-platform throws. But I also think that there's an element of did he have somebody open and was he able to get rid of the ball quickly? And was it schemed so there was something for him if things went wrong? And that's where I felt like it was missing last year. And and that contributed to the amount of pressure he faced. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kubiak does a phenomenal job. You know, I mean, look what Stefanski has done in Cleveland with this offense in Baker Mayfield. So, it's kind of everything has to work in unison, right? If, you know, if you run the football well, everything else kind of plays off each other, but you don't even have to run the football well for the play action pass game to really take off. Mm -hmm. And so there's some things that when we talk about pressure or things like that, yeah, you're right. It's not just all on the offensive line. You know, it's the running backs play a part. The quarterback plays a huge part in knowing where to get to the football. Is he holding it too long? Is he, working the right side versus the right blitz and the right coverage that, you know, we d- designed up all week against to make sure he works that side if we get pressure. Uh, you know, he might have to hand signal if we get a certain blitz look that we know we can't protect as an offensive line if they blitz us this way and they attack our pass protection this way. So there's so many different, you know, things that go into putting pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, it's tough because a lot of guys, I mean, look at Russell Wilson, you know, he saves his line from a lot of sacks, but he also plays a part, you know, in a lot of those sacks. So, you know, it's, it's it's very tough, but at the end of the day, too, it is all tied together. You know, how are you scheming a certain defense? You know, how aggressive are they? And if they do pressure, how can we take advantage of that? I always liked when teams pressured because I felt like there's more holes in the zone or there's one-on-one matchups. And, you know, how can you take care – Uh, take advantage of cover zero blitz. I was always hoping I got cover zero blitz because I knew my audibles. I knew what to get to. And that's when you can really thrash them. Um, So there's so much that goes into playing the quarterback position. Also just having to deal with pressure. I think that when you touched on the play action part, there's just become this separation of almost two different games that get played on Sunday. There's game, the game that gets played with play action and the game that gets played in the drop back game. So it's like, if you're on first and 10 and you run play action and linebackers just come steaming full speed ahead toward Delvin cook and then go, uh Oh, you know, they're throwing the ball. I mean, that is where cousins is at his absolute best because his numbers, the data that you have in the PFF annual, when, his receivers got to step on somebody when they're open. I mean, Kirk cousins is way above average at finding that guy, but when it's in the drop back game, explain this from a quarterback perspective in the drop back game. If you're third and seven 
and the other team is playing two deep safeties and they're dropping people back and they're focusing on your top wide receivers. Just how much different is that from a quarterback perspective from when you're running a first down play action? Yeah, I mean, third down and seven, the defense knows you're going to throw it. Everyone in the stands knows you're going to throw it. Every defender on the field, you know, knows you you probably have to throw it. So they're playing the pass. Now on first, second down, you could do either. And so that just kind of gives you a little added advantage of that time. And, you know, with the play action pass, look, I say this, it was in the annual about Drew Locke. Like, Drew Locke's overall grade wasn't very good. You know, he had a ton of turn- turnover-worthy plays. He just did not play well, but his stat, you know, his grade didn't uh, grade. He didn't grade well for us either. But look at his play-action pass grade. You know, that's when he did actually do some good things well. And I see that as two things. Like, one, he's a quarterback that could turn his back to the defense, play-action fake, and get his head around and still execute the play. Um, he has the physical ability, the arm strength and all that. And play action pass, too, it's it's simpler for the quarterback. You know, a lot of coaches think you have to run quick game and it's easier and quick passes, but you have to be super fast decision maker. You have to be very accurate with the football. And, you know, like I said, the split-second decisions have to be done now. And they have to be correct and you have to be accurate. So it, it's almost easier to operate play action pass because now you're going downfield more that 18 to 20 yard range, 15 to 20. It, there's more soft spots in the defense and you, you have like easier progressions, like pure progressions. You could go high to low, you could go one, two, three, and then you have reliable check down. So you have plenty of options. And a guy like Kirk Cousins that's smart. He can know right away. Oh, they're, you know, we call play action pass. He gets around out of his fake. He sees a ton of coverage boom, he's going to go right to the check down because the check down is going to gain 10 to 15 yards because how soft the coverage was. So I think that's where a lot of play action helps um, quarterbacks to just get in a rhythm, though, and get in a nice little flow. Hey, everyone. We're in the full swing of winter now, and Soda Stick has you covered. If you're a hockey fan, check out the North State Icon shirts or the Mick Golden Light snowmobile designs, all of these along with great football designs like the Skull Hats, football state beanies and hoodies, and my favorite, the Metrodome gear. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping. Just go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Yeah, I I totally agree. And with Cousins, I mean, this was something that Mike Zimmer really wanted for him in the system. And so the the criticism of the Vikings offense is maybe they run too much and where it becomes sort of inefficient to run on second and 12 or something like that. Right. Um, But at the same time, I think that Zimmer has the right system for Kirk Cousins, but it's how can they support him? I think a little more on those third downs because I was looking at, you know, the expected points added and things like that on third down. And you know, in 2019, it was actually quite good, but last year it sunk and his grade, I think was 28th on third down. And again, I don't think that that's necessarily a Kirk cousins grade, but more of like a team grade. So that that's kind of how I'm looking at it is like, you've mastered one part of this and it's going to be effective, but that other part of the dropback game, tell me Bruce, how they can make that better around Kirk cousins to improve that grade 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's weapons. I think Justin Jefferson had a great season. Uh, it's continuing design plays to get guys open the right way. Um, you know, and it's tough, man, because it, it all aligns with one. You know, if the, the offense is in a rhythm and flowing, you could get into a nice little rhythm. And then the drop back pass game works pretty well. And it's tough. They're, you know, look, quarterbacks have different strengths, right? There's some quarterbacks that love RPOs. And that's what they want to run. There's other quarterbacks that hate it, that can't run it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be the greatest at RPOs because, quite frankly, I'd rather the ball in my hand having to read the defense out instead of having to make split-second decision based off one guy. What's he do? Oh, okay, i got to pull it and throw it. I mean, you know, I know Big Ben in Pittsburgh. I don't think he likes RPOs and doesn't execute them very well. So they're not easy to do. And then there's guys that love the play-action pass like myself. Kirk Cousins is probably one of them. Um, so there's different parts of the game because when you drop back and pass, especially for myself being a smaller, shorter quarterback, it's tough, man. That pocket collapses fast and tight. You got to find a window to throw, you know, the coverage is out there and it's, you know, so there's a lot that goes into it, but you could continue to help quarterbacks by, I mean, you watch Frank Wright in the Indy offense. There's a lot of receiver screens out there. It's not all drop back game. So you just have to have a mix of your offense. and You can't just rely on straight drop back passing all the time. Well, this is a topic that we talk about all the time here and sort of debate is, do you get an alignment in the draft? Do you get a third wide receiver? And, uh, you know, I know that uh, Mike Renner is constantly mock drafting defensive linemen to the Vikings. I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. But I'm trying to be the conductor of the wide receiver three train, Bruce. I'm trying to convince the world, hey, you know, one of those Bama receivers, if they drop to the middle of the draft, that's going to allow Kirk Cousins to do a lot of things that might reduce the pressure because someone else is open as opposed to a number three receiver that's a replacement level player. I also wanted to ask you, um, get, who is the best group of weapons that you ever got to play with? I know that, uh, let's see, would you have would you have had A.J. Green there maybe in Cincinnati a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's tough because – when I was starting, I was in Tampa, and I was I was young, but I was fortunate. I had Joey Galloway, which was right. which was our our speed. I had Ike Hilliard, receivers coach with the Steelers, which he's just a friendly receiver, going to find a soft, soft spot in the zone, just the guy you can rely on. Uh, I had Michael Clayton, big physical guy. So I had some weapons. I had Cadillac Williams behind me at the running back. So my first rookie year, I started 11 games. I had some weapons. Now – you know, I could have done a, a better job with those weapons. Uh, and then in the future, you know, I was uh, with the Raiders. I had Darius Hayward Bay, speed guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lewis Murphy did some good things. Um, and then it was kind of like, yeah, who who else do you really, really have? Johnny Lee Higgins did some good things. Um, and then in Pittsburgh or Cincy, you know, I wasn't playing. But, yeah, look at Andy Dalton, what he had. Mm-hmm. A.J. Green, Marvin Jones. Uh, Muhammad Sanu. These were all young guys. Andrew Hawkins. Got to shout out my boy from Toledo. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a ton of weapons in Cincinnati uh, that, yeah, all these guys were young and hungry and just starting their career. And it was fun to watch. And then in Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown. We had Le'Veon Bell. We had Martavius Bryant for that season. He exploded on the scenes. So, uh, you know, and then Heath Miller is a security blanket tight end. So it was cool to be around all kinds of different weapons. 
you know, when uh, when I was in Oakland, I think one of my biggest weapons was Zach Miller, our tight end. Yep. You know, because that's your comfort level. That is basically your comfort blanket. Third downs, you're going you're going to go to just like Ike Hilliard in Tampa Bay and and things of that sort. So I, I think of my career, I've been fortunate to be around good offenses, good players, different coaches, where I've learned a ton. Learned a ton from John Gruden and Paul Hackett and the rest of the way throughout my career. It was just fun. I learned a ton of different things. So it was cool to see different weapons. And look, Kirk Cousins has had those weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like Justin – I mean, doesn't look. He did. He had an amazing rookie mm-hmm. year. So to build on on that, Adam Thielen. And then, yeah, like can you get another uh, receiver? And look, I – you need speed, you know, start putting some pressure on that defense downfield. Um, so it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing. Yeah. And like uh, Jalen Waddle from that. And by the way, you just went through like all my college Madden seasons, all the, <laughs> I mean, who wasn't trading for Darius Hayward Bay because he had a 99 speed and it was probably deserved on those teams. <laughs> Were you ever a Madden guy? Did you ever like play with yourself on Madden? You know, I, a few times, but not often. I think it was in college when you first, like, oh, my gosh, I'm on NCAA. That's sweet, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And then, like, now, like, uh, my neighbors will come down, and they're like, man, I just played with you last night on, you know, Madden. And I was like, what was it, like Madden 2015 or what? <laughs> man, the, the older Maddens are better, but that's for another podcast, I think. Uh, so here's what I'm interested in. Um, is how quarterbacks seem to be breaking off into um, kind of buckets. Well, I mean, you've got the elite guys, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, and those guys are like make a make a bust for Canton, different level of human being. There's there's no replacing that guy. Those are the LeBron Jameses of the NFL. But everybody else seems to be breaking off into are you an athlete quarterback? Or are you a sort of system type of quarterback? And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a, like, can you execute at a very high level what you're asked to do? And that's like Goff and Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins. And and I wonder if there's, is there any middle ground to this? Like with quarterbacks coming out and the way that we're evaluating them and and what's going to matter, I think, in the future and in work in the future. Because it looks to me like that's kind of how it is. It's like, are you a Jalen Hurts who's going to be able to run around and make plays down the field and make plays with your legs? Or are you a Jared Goff or a Kirk Cousins or a Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, you know it's tough because the game is kind of changing the standpoint. Teams don't want, uh, like, I mean, shoot, if Peyton Manning comes up uh, out again, yeah, you want Peyton Manning. But still, the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the Phillip Rivers, the stationary pocket passer, it's tough, man. you got to be a mental machine to just – carve defenses apart so it is intriguing to find a guy I mean and now Patrick Mahomes has it both so it's you know you're trying to find a franchise quarterback they don't fall off trees let alone trying to find a guy that's athletic and can throw from the pocket is tough as well but you're seeing that a lot more you're seeing guys that can move around can make plays on the run and then as an offensive coordinator you, it, it's based on the talent you have. Like, who's your quarterback? How can you set him up for success? What's he comfortable running? How can you, you know, design an offense that fits his skill set and help him maximize that? I mean, and with the players around him. So, I mean, because we see it through the league now. I mean, look at what Lamar Jackson is doing in Baltimore, and that's a successful offense. I'd take Lamar Jackson as my quarterback every day of the week because not only what he does on the field – 
but I love his mental makeup, how mentally tough he is as well. So that to me is intriguing. That's my number one thing when finding a quarterback is his mindset. I want to see these guys, talk to these guys, and see what they're made of. Um, so you see it all across the board is, you know, guys like Tom Brady that just won a Super Bowl, he's not running no speed option. He's not, you know, duck diving, dodging people to make plays and throws downfield, but he's a machine in the pocket and makes smart decisions. So you can win with either type of quarterback, but when, when, um, when, you know, shit hits the fan, you better be able to deliver from the pocket on key situations, key downs, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, that's what you're going to have to do. Now, you could deliver from the pocket, but you can also make a play with your legs also on key downs, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's crazy, man. But I just think, too, we we evaluate these young quarterbacks coming out. And, you know, we're all every coach is trying to find the next guy, the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Drew Brees, the next – Deshaun Watson. It's hard. It's not, you know, these guys don't come out every year. So it's it's very difficult to find that guy. And then, but also too, man, you could be successful with a lot of quarterbacks if you continue to help develop them, have the right scheme around them and do what they're, they're best at with the weapons around them. Hey, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics. And I really mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics. And they reached out wanting to support this show. And I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for perishable, non-perishable, and fragile freight from source to door. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they're the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They could ship perishable, non-perishable, oversized, or fragile goods, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk, overperform, and go the extra mile for your company. I love that you mentioned that that mental part of it, the mental makeup that goes beyond, I think, even just like the X's and O's. I, I know somebody who played with Brady who told me, like, when you arrived at New England, you knew whose franchise it was. You knew whose offense it was. You knew who was going to tell you what the deal was as a wide receiver, that, that you never have to have any sort of, like, questioning, like, oh, has this guy got it right, or should I be doing that, or whatever. And I think there's something to that. I used to love watching the Gruden camps, and I'm sort of sad that they're, yeah. that they're gone, because yeah. sometimes he would ask a quarterback, he'd be like, what happened on that? play and you'd see sort of like a I don't know you know or something like that and it was kind of interesting because if you watch Mahomes is how even though he's a young kid he still has this sort of confidence to him where you think like this guy this guy knows how great he is and he's in command even of this interview that's going on with this NFL coach where he should be intimidated I used to love to watch those from like a personality perspective oh you know Gruden's so entertaining in that in that sense you know when I was a rookie coming out that's how our meetings were. <clears throat> Gruden and I would spend, you know, 10 hours a day with just, just watching film. But it, it went by so fast because he's such a good teacher, and I learned a ton. So, uh, you know, I, I do miss those as well. 
and it's always fun. But yeah, Mahomes always has that poise and composure to handle those situations. And that, you know, that's what Gruden was trying to do. He, he's trying to poke at him a little bit, you know, have fun with them. But also like, hey, man, you know, why did you make this boneheaded decision here? You know, because you want to see, too, how quarterbacks process certain information. It's funny. Uh, if anybody wants to go find it on YouTube, Kirk Cousins is funny because you'll you'll see some things about Kirk Cousins now in his personality that have, that show up in that thing. Like he wants to debate Gruden on like how wet the football was when he fumbled, and it's just like, yeah, that's uh, that's like him. That's a little his personality. Um, before we wrap up, Bruce, I want to know what you think of like quarterback carousel. Not just like who's going where and everything, but the fact that it's happening is so interesting to me because. For a long time, even, you know, kind of when I'm growing up or even through the the first Madden era, it's like a quarterback will be with a team for a long time. And a quarterback could have a terrible year and his team would just stick with him. I mean, even Matt Ryan, I think, went 4-12 and one year. Like, it happens, right? Um, But here we are where there's so much pressure on quarterbacks. If you have a down year, or even in the case of Jared Goff, you lose a lineman, you lose a couple wide receivers, all of a sudden you get paid, they can't afford as many people, and then it's like, all right, it's your fault, get out. And I just I just wonder what you think about that, because we've also seen a lot of situations where teams are patient, and it eventually pays off for them with quarterbacks. You know, it's tough, because the NFL stands for not for long, and that's for coaches and players, and it's getting even more so like that, which is sad, and... So coaches need to win now to keep their job. Front offices are trying to win now to keep their job. Players need to perform to keep their job. So it's kind of that carousels happen because, I mean, you see in, in uh, with the Rams. I mean, I think McVay is like, look, I'm not going to tie my coaching career to Goff. You know, if we're going to succeed, then I need to make a move. Or if I'm going to get fired, I want to get fired the way I want to do things. And I totally agree with that. I mean, you can't, you know, because sometimes you live or die with the quarterback you have. And now I think certain teams are getting to the point where like, look, you know, I'm not letting this guy bring me down. Like I'm, I'm going in a different direction. And that's look, and that's, and that's all around the league. And I'm not just pointing out the Goff situation, like, because I believe with Goff, with Carson Wentz, with these things that happen, it's better for the player as well. You get a fresh start. I've been in that position. I was cut by Tampa Bay after two years, after starting 11 games as a rookie, backing up Jeff Garcia, playing in a game. In my third year, they they released me. And, you know, my confidence was crushed at that time. So it helped me go to a new spot, rebuild my confidence. And then I performed well in Oakland. I had some good moments. So it can happen for Goff, for Wentz. And I cheer those guys on because it's not easy. And uh, so when you see this QB carousel, I mean, it's just tough. It's the day and age we live in. You know, social media, everything is rated our fingertips. We want instant gratification right now, and we want instant winning right now, too. So everything is kind of tied to that. Uh, But the good organizations, you'll see that they have a little more patience. They understand that it does take some time. Coaches want to, you know, coaches get a job. They got to build the players around, build their staff, build their team. And it's going to take a few years, you know, develop that culture the right way um, and going forward. Because at the end of the day, yes, you need skill and players and talent to win, but you also need a good culture. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And you see the, the, the organizations that win consistently, more consistently than others, they have a good culture. 
it's always amazing to me how fast uh, and how delicate like a culture is, right? I mean, with Philadelphia, there's a story today that um, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz didn't talk for 10 weeks. You're talking about spending 10 hours a day with John Gruden watching film. They didn't talk for 10 weeks, which is insane, right? A, a coach and a quarterback. And uh, But just a couple of years ago, you know, I mean, they're winning and everything else, and then they lose some players, and the salary cap happens, and you know, maybe you make a mistake in the draft and then all of a sudden people start pointing fingers and things like that. And it's it's crazy how difficult it is and how kind of amazing, you know, somebody like Mike Tomlin is for being able to keep, uh, you know, that, right. that organization consistent for a long time. Before we wrap, um, give me a Mike Zimmer story. You got a good Mike Zimmer story from <laughs> Cincinnati? One that uh, doesn't involve well, too many MFs? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Zim's the best because he's such a competitor. And, you know, he was defense coordinator when I was at Cincy. And I remember one day he came up to me, and, and the year before I got to Cincy, we beat the Bengals. And it, we were, what, we were losing 14-7. to We're driving with, like, under a minute left. It's a fourth down and 10 or 12. And he shows an all-out blitz, and then he drops out of it. Well, I complete the pass for the first down. We end up scoring on that drive, and we end up winning the game. And so he'd come up to me press one day. He's like, ah, I should have all out blitzed you. I should have just all out blitzed you. He's like, I thought about it. And, uh, but we would go at it every day in practice because I ran the scout team. So I would honestly make up plays in the huddle because I was just trying to mess with him. Like I wanted to mess with his defense. I wanted to make it, make it hard. I wanted those guys to jump off sides. I would use the hard count, triple count. I'd make up different snap counts just to try to get those guys to jump. And it was kind of fun when I got under his skin a little bit and he had to yell at his defense. But, uh, you know, honestly, Zim's a a really good dude. Love watching him coach. And when I came to Vikings camp the last few years with SiriusXM, it's always awesome to see him uh, because he he, he is a really good dude. He's a great coach. And he cares about his players. I mean, the number one thing for good coaches out there you got you got to genuinely care about these guys and helping them get better because at the end of the day, they can sense that and they can feel it out. You know, are you truly in it to help them, you know, perform and get better? And, you know, and I think Zim is that guy. And so that's why I can't, can't wait to see the Vikings and, and get back on track. I don't want to get back on track, but it's tough to win. But I, they're in a tough division as well. But to see them really take the next step, get back in the playoffs, I'm excited to watch. Zimmer is one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. I mean, it's it's kind of like he takes it to 11, I think, when it comes to yeah. Zimmer. And uh, that was partly, I think, why they have bounced back many times. When they've missed the playoffs, they've been back. Because you know that he's at his ranch in his tree stand grinding tape from the whole time while he's out there for hunting sure. or something, right? So, uh, Bruce Gradkowski, you know, you're doing great stuff for PFF. And, um, you know, it's just it's fun. It's fun to see you, man. I, I, I hope that, you know, next training camp, everything's back to normal, that you can come back out with XM or something, or that I can, you know, bump into you somewhere because it's always great to get together with you. And I, I always learn a lot from you, man. So thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, brother. It's always going to be on with you. You always grind. Hey, you grind the tape as well, you know, so – I appreciate you. Thanks for uh, having me on, like always.